0: I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with
1: fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore.
0: everybody. Um, So this episode we are starting to discuss the novel There There by Tommy Orange. I'm so excited about this. What about you Sadie?
1: I am really excited. This is a lot different than the last few ones that we've read and I think it's very important and relevant to talk about.
0: Yes, I'm very excited to talk about it. Um, But before we get going, we wanted to, um, Sadie's going to give a little PSA for our next novel that we'll be discussing. So again, this episode we're talking about There, There by Tommy Orange, and we will, for our next episode as well, we thought it best to break this into two parts. Um, And then after that, we will be discussing a new book. So Sadie, why don't you... Let everybody know what that is so they can pick it up from their local bookstore.
1: <laughs> so the one I di- I decided to discuss next is Alias Grace by Margaret Atwood. I think with the last episode, I mentioned a short story bar- by Margaret Atwood, and it just really inspired me to to want to reread some of the, the stories that I've read from her before. So I would recommend everyone read Alias Grace, but hopefully you will now that we're doing this podcast. Um, you should yeah, I haven't that. read it. I'm excited. Oh, you haven't read it? Mm -mm. Oh, that's exciting. No, I haven't read it. So, um, just, you know, I don't want to go too far into it, but this is, it's like a period novel, I think it's like 1800s Canada, and it's just about a woman who, this is based off of, very loosely, a true story, who was convicted of murder, and it just kind of goes into her history, and Margaret Atwood has a very interesting theory as far as what happened, and It's, it's a good kind of mystery novel, um, that also I think dives really deep into just like the female experience that, you know, an, well, an immigrant female experience specifically that, um, you know, that we would have seen a lot in the 1800s. So it's a good one. I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm
0: excited to read it. And I do, I did read that there either was or is a Netflix series, um, Uh, based on the novel as well so maybe that's something to keep in the back of our minds maybe we'll after we read maybe that's worth a watch maybe that's something to discuss as well so we'll see what happens with that um awesome well thanks sadie i'm good recommendation i'm excited for it thank you um so what are you drinking this evening what's your libation to go along with our discussion of there there
1: so tonight i am having a sauvignon blanc um it's from karen birmingham uh California vintage. It's very good. I actually I usually don't like white wine a ton unless it's a very warm outside. <laughs> I'm like a <laughs> I go with the weather as far as what kind of wine I like to drink, but this one was really good. I to be clear, this is not a sponsored podcast in any way, shape or form, but I got I a wish. Vouch- I know. I got a voucher. <laughs> yeah. DM us. Send us an email. <laughs> but <laughs> I got a voucher for like a wine subscription box or something where they'd like send you six bottles of wine.
0: That must be nice to be able to have alcohol sent to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, that you can be a part of a subscription that you can have alcohol shipped to you. What's that like Sadie? That sounds really nice.
1: Um, you know, it was really pleasant. Although I will say, (laughs) I will say it was a hassle getting my package. If you're not home all day and you can't sign for it, it's hard to track down out here oh that that makes sense but um but it is very nice being able to just order and pick up at a UPS or something very nice well that
0: that that is so nice that
1: your state allows that I know how kind no wait so that's not allowed in in your state Audra
0: it is not Sadie in the great state of Utah that is not allowed we cannot have liquor shipped here (laughs) so I cannot be a part of these lovely wine subscription boxes that I see advertised all the time that sound awesome I
1: can't do it. Oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: it's all right. That's all right. Moving on, my libation. Since I can't be a part of a wine subscription box, it's not wine. Um, so I have a um, just a vodka tonic. But I did. I had this great cucumber flavored vodka, oh, nice. and then um, I also put a little bit of um, cucumber like simple syrup kind of oh, in it as well. So it's very refreshing and cucumbery. And I don't actually like cucumbers in any other format except flavoring drinks (laughs) I don't want to eat them I don't like them but I really like cucumber flavored drinks I don't know what's up with that
1: I don't know either but they are really good drinks. and I like the smell of cucumbers Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. but I just don't like to actually eat a cucumber
1: yeah I think that's fair I think that's fair but it's true like there's almost nothing as refreshing as cucumber in a a good drink
0: yeah yeah just really light and refreshing so
1: all right. Awesome.
0: So I was telling Sadie earlier, I had a hard time kind of putting together what, how to summarize there, there. Mm-hmm. So rather than give you no summary or a half ass summary, um, I'm just going to read uh, real quick for anyone who isn't familiar with the novel, uh, how it was summarized on the book. So at least we can, we'll let someone else do the hard work for me. <laughs> Uh, so there, there. Tommy Orange's wondrous and shattering novel follows 12 characters from native communities, all traveling to the big Oakland powwow, all connected to one another in ways that they may not yet realize. Among them is Jackie Redfeather, newly sober and trying to make it back to the family she left behind. Dean Oxidine, pulling his life together after his uncle's death and working at the powwow to honor his memory. 14-year-old Orville, coming to perform traditional dance for the very first time. Together, this chorus of voices tells the plight of the urban Native American, grappling with a complex and painful history, with an inheritance of beauty and spirituality, with communion and sacrifice and heroism. Hailed as an instant classic, there there is at once poignant and unflinching, utterly contemporary and truly unforgettable. Hmm. So that is how the novel was summarized on the back, (laughs) um, which, you know, I definitely couldn't have done a better job. So
1: I definitely don't disagree Um, with anything they said.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, so also one of the, you know, this novel is told, each chapter is told from a different character's point of view, which I really like. It gives me kind of these Canterbury tale feels. And I, I really like having, I like this format in novels. I think it's, you know, as I lay dying is another great Mm -hmm. example. I just think it's so interesting. I think you can really play around with, depending on a character's point of view, like, for example, As I Lay Dying by William Faulkner, uh, chapters are told from a point of view of a dead person. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you can do that. This is literature. You can give that a voice. You can do anything. Um,
1: yeah, like it's, it's very Yeah, fun. so
0: I just, I really like it. Um, it does make it somewhat challenging. Um, you'll have to let me know what you think, Sadie, because sometimes I, I had to keep flipping back to the cast yeah. of characters, which is probably common. I mean, that's why it's in there, but um, I do think that there was a lot of characters. I mean, there's 12, which I have my thoughts on why there was 12. But, um, So th- there's a lot to remember. So I definitely had to keep flipping back and forth. What about you? What did you think about how it was stylized that way?
1: I really liked it. Um, and I liked it, too, because, you know, obviously a lot of these stories, like, weave together in indirect or direct ways. And I thought it was interesting to see certain characters from an you know, one perspective, and then later on in the book, after we've kind of, like, made a assumptions or opinions on who this person is and and what they're doing, and then we get their perspective later on, and we get, like, this greater context of who they are. And it kind of, I liked that because I think it kind of made me um, question my own kind of biases, which I think is always really good and really helpful so I think it's always good to kind of I think if a book can have enough empathy to give characters a perspective even if we don't agree with what they're doing I think that's really powerful for the reader
0: I agree yeah that's a really good way to point it put put it excuse me so it's like even if it's a character normally you wouldn't like say if this was told from just one perspective Mm -hmm. letting them see letting you see what's going on inside putting a voice to them it enables you to have empathy for someone maybe you wouldn't before because it, it gives them more dimensions because now yeah. you're getting something from their perspective. So yeah, that's a really good point. So I am um, because at least we had difficulty of remembering them <laughs> all. We were just going to run through real quick and just name out who they are. Just maybe a little snippet. So, um, I'll talk about Tony, Dean, Opal and Edwin and Bill. is Sadie, you want to kind of tell the rest? Sure. Okay, so we've got Tony Loneman. Uh, he's twenty-one. And also most of the all these characters really are, are really centered in, in Oakland, California, which mm-hmm. I definitely want to talk about as well about the importance of Oakland, but just to put that through there. So twenty Tony Lohman, twenty-one. Um, he's a Cheyenne descendant, and he is born with fetal alcohol syndrome, and he refers to that a lot when he's talking and he calls it the drome, like from syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um and he lives with his grandmother. And he's a drug dealer, deals drugs with a character also in the book named Octavio. Um, and then there's Dean Oxidine. He makes uh, documentaries. He is a part of the Cheyenne and Arapaho tribe, born raised in Oakland. And he's kind of a uh, plot in the story is he's putting together a documentary, getting stories from Native people, having them tell their stories about living in Oakland or any story they want to tell, really. So that's what Dean does. Um, And then one of my absolute favorite characters, uh, Opal Viola Victoria Bear Shield. She's in her 50s, Cheyenne. um, She talks about what happened in the past when she was about 11. Her mother took her and her half-sister, who's also in the book, named Jackie, to Alcatraz when the American Indian movement occupied Alcatraz in the 70s. Um, So that's kind of her history. Uh, And then there's Edwin Black. He's biracial. His mother is white and his father he doesn't know is native. Um, He has a master's degree in comparative literature with a focus on Native American literature. Um, But not really doing much with it. And now he has an internship assisting with the big Oakland powwow. And then we have Bill Davis. He's the boyfriend of Edwin's mother, Karen um, Lakota. He uh, is a janitor at the uh, Coliseum in Oakland, which is where they're going to hold the powwow. And he's a Vietnam vet. And then Sadie, would you love like to give your little synopsis sure. on the other
1: characters? Sure. So next we have Calvin Johnson. He is a young man. He is native. And he lives with his sister Maggie. He owes m- drug money to his brother Charles, who works with Octavio. So he gets kind of involved in this drug scheme. Um, Jackie Redfeather is the half-sister of Opal. She is a substance abuse counselor who herself is is fighting her own addiction. And in this book, when we're introduced to her when she's older, she's 11 days sober. She gave up a child for adoption in her youth and raised another daughter, Jamie, who passed away. Um, She has three grandsons, but they are cared for by Opal. And then we have Orville Redfeather. He's 14. He's one of Jackie's grandsons, but again, raised by Opal. Um, He's Cheyenne, and he is very interested in his heritage, and he plans to dance at the powwow. Octavio Gomez is the drug dealer for whom Tony and Charles, who is Calvin's brother, work for. Um, Daniel Gonzalez is a cousin of Octavio. Blue is the head of the powwow committee at the Indian Center, and then there's Thomas Frank, Cheyenne, Drummer, who formerly worked as a custodian at the Indian Center, he was invited to perform at the powwow with a group called the Southern Moon. Sadie, um,
0: and Octavio, Daniel, Blue, and Thomas—they're probably the most minor of the characters. We don't get as many um, chapters with their perspectives, so there wasn't. They're they're kind of more essential for the plot, but we don't get that much from from their perspective. A little bit, we get, but
1: yeah, I think we get like one chapter. for both of them but they're short yeah awesome well
0: also the book starts it's got a great prologue and interlude that are um kind of one long essay each um and and it's kind of a nice way to begin and then there's it it breaks up I think parts one and two uh the interlude does but you know I love the prologue um so in the prologue it's basically just this kind of witheringly i don't know kind of not sarcastic but almost just deprecating mm-hmm. um synopsis on 500 years of native native people history um you know all about the the genocide and dislocation um and he starts it with a description of the indian head test pattern which mm-hmm. i went into this like rabbit hole deep dive about that after i read this book on wikipedia but anyway that is a it's a graphic that's like kind of superimposed on on TVs where, um, like back when there was black and white TVs only, that was like the graphic that would close it out. So if you left your TV on and once there was no more programming, it would just have this image, um, until programming starting, started up again. Um, and then he goes all the way back to 1621 and the quote first Thanksgiving, and then just uh, not even touches on all of them, but you know, a small number of the many, many massacres, um, of Native Americans that occurred and in our history yeah and that's how he he starts the book um and like I said he make has this big focus on heads like so he talks about the um the symbol that was on the tv and then just about how often that that symbol that image that head of a Native Americans portrayed you know flags jerseys coins they were on the penny first and then the buffalo nickel and so like their image is on our money but they're not even considered real people couldn't vote had real right. no part in the government but yet they're they're the image on the government's money yeah, like they're just like, such a they're just an, such a mindfuck yeah
1: they're an image of our nation and yet yeah, are belittled and given tiny spaces and just constantly i think portrayed as uh like the past even though they're yeah. they're still there they're still there well and then he, he
0: makes the point that you know their their image was on the penny and then the buffalo nickel but now those things are out of circulation yeah so now it's not even like it's almost like it's a race now
1: mm-hmm. yeah I thought this prologue um, serves a lot of different uh, purposes but I think it does a good job of kind of hung in cheek recognizing that the reader probably doesn't know a lot about Native American history other than what they see on the screen and mm-hmm. I think that it, it I th- you know how you kind of said it was it was kind of deprecating in its tone I think in a way I to me anyway it kind of felt like that was aimed at the reader in a, in a way of like this better not yeah. be the first time you're hearing this you know or, or like you know, this shouldn't be your first history lesson, but I can guess it is, you know, as far as the atrocity. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I just loved his, that you really get the author's voice. It's like, this is a way for Tommy Orange to speak to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and it sets the tone for the book. I think, I think it, it, it puts you in a, a frame of mind that you need to be in.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: Like, it's like, it's like, this is what you, this is how you need to this is where you need to be when you read this what's coming next I think and I love his prose like he it's definitely exuberant mm-hmm. um but it never gets like out of control where it's like what are you even talking about or you're being super right. experimental for no reason right now like it's kind of this interesting flow it's it's not this like educational prologue but um it's not it's not messy it's not too much it's really easy to follow and yeah um, I think really appealing to read
1: I agree which is very impressive to me because I mean Tommy Orange is obviously a great writer but m- my understanding of him and, and, and like his history as a writer is that he came into it like relatively late in life.
0: Yes and this is his first novel and it's this like <laughs> wow yeah I think he's really impressive. I have you ever read any Sherman Alexie? I have yeah
1: I love Sherman Alexie.
0: I absolutely adore Sherman Alexie. I love every single thing he writes. Just amazing. And he's, um, I know from the West Coast, from the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. um, Native American writer. He's amazing. And I, he had a lot, he kind of like mentored Tommy Orange. And that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense for me. They have, I think, kind of similar uh, styles, tones of writing. Like there's just kind of that self-deprecating, witty yeah. but serious at the same time um so I think Sherman Alexie you can I can see kind of the similarities but I don't know I don't mean to sound they're exactly alike like right you can I just it feels like there must have been a mentorship there is yeah, kind of how I take it but, see but yeah, he influence. made it his own it's just great
1: yeah you can see the influence That's, but he you. has a distinctive voice um and I really yes. enjoyed reading it and I think he does a really good job um you know, as we head into talking about, like, the different characters and their stories, I think he does a really good job of giving each character kind of, you know, it's a, it's consistent as far as, I think, the way it reads, but it, each one of them, I think, has a clear voice of their own. I think he does a good job of, like, jumping into the different heads of these characters. Yes.
0: Yes, for sure. Um, So, probably good to just run through because there's not much of a plot this is really kind of just uh, it's it's a short plot I don't know how else to say it that sounds dumb but there's there's not much time that passes basically this is uh, it's each chapter is told from a different character's point of view and they're talking kind of about their history and being Native American in Oakland California also Mm. specifically and then all culminating where they're all involved in or somehow a part of a big powwow that's happening in Oakland, California, and at the powwow, um, there's some of the characters are attempting to rob it, um, and it, due to needing to pay drug dealing debts, basically, yeah. um, they make a gun with a three three D printer. Super interesting thing to have yeah. in the book. I was that was such a I don't know interesting way to do it, um, and that's how they get it through the metal detector anyway, um, and it ends up being. A mass shooting at the powwow due to this kind of robbery gone wrong and and then it ends with with that and with deaths and some that we don't really know and that's where it ends um so that's kind of the plot and then we've got characters telling their their backstories and their histories but there's not much time that passes in this so that's Mm -hmm. kind of the gist so a lot of this is really just all about character points of view and development and the plot's kind of secondhand until the very end.
1: Yeah, I think each each chapter, to me, kind of feels like a, a different character reckoning with the question of what it means to be Native American and how does one, like, connect to a history that's so fraught with violence and destruction and um, erasure. And then, you know, also just, like... I think there are so many good questions, too, about, like, what, how does cultural identity make you a part of a culture? <laughs> like, outside of, like, mm-hmm. do you have to be raised in it? Do you have to be raised knowing the different aspects of the culture, like the dances or the songs or the histories or whatever? Does Or is it about blood? But then if you make it about blood that, you know, like, historically in Native American past, like, blood quantum's been a way to erase Them, this whole time, and tell them that they weren't native, Mm -hmm. or you know they weren't native enough, and it's just kind of a a complex idea of identity. And I think each chapter is all of them grappling with those questions in their own ways. And um, I don't think that there's really a right answer. It's just an individual kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I think the the idea, the question of what is a Native American? Am I Native American? What does that mean? What does that look like you you know it, it, those co- questions are just constantly being raised by pretty much all the characters in one way or another and about you know it, I just can't even imagine and how uh, like off-putting that must be but you know you're you're trying to like remember this past mm. that is so disfigured by um who's who would talk about it and it's disfigured by, trying to ha- have this erasure and i mean and then it's this history of genocide and relocation and bigotry like all, just like such a horrible yeah. you know and, and then to try and figure out how do you how do you i don't know reckon with that yeah and then how do you fit where, into what it what do you have yeah yeah i think i, mean, like, I don't know I, I can only imagine but
1: yeah I mean, that's, that's something, too, that I think that they talk about in the interlude, um, is that if it's not something you have to think about, then you're very lucky. Like, you're a very lucky person. If this is something mm-hmm. you don't have to reckon with, and you're not forced to, from a very young age, to reckon with. Uh, that's how you know you're privileged. And that was really, I think, poignant for me to read, um... I think, I think especially, I mean, just not to get, like, too caught up in modern-day events, but, like, I feel like that has been a reckoning that society, American society especially, has been kind of facing this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, is just recognizing our own privilege and then, like, what do we do with it? You know, what are we supposed to do after we have these discussions like what actions are we supposed to take and I think that this book made me think a lot about that and of how like I have such a privilege of not having to do anything I'm not required by my government or by society by the way I'm treated to have to think about these things
0: oh yeah I mean we're we're all so privileged it's crazy yeah um. And I think this book does, uh, this novel um, really does a good job about kind of making you think about maybe some of the less obvious parts. Like, one of the things he talks about in here, or some of the characters do, is, is the idea of indian Indianing, mm. Like, being more Indian, being more Native American, being a certain way to connect to this heritage even if that's not really even anything that you connect to like and mm-hmm. I, it was interesting to me I love that he has this in Oakland California and he talks it, I mean it's about Native Americans that are urban mm-hmm. you know and I remember growing up from a variety of sources kind of the idea you have of Native Americans is okay they you know you have the headdress and it's out in more of the plains the desert and it's horses yeah. and it's you know it's it's the John Wayne movies like those are Native Americans and that is so not encompassing of Native Americans there's so many tribes from all over and it's like yeah. I mean that was one of the things that to be honest with Sherman Alexi reading about Indians from the Pacific Northwest and like this is what their life was like then and this is what their life is like now and it's very different from say someone living in Oklahoma on a reservation there or you know it, mm-hmm. it, it's just it I think we get such a disservice growing up there's such a lack of education about what life was actually like for Native Americans what they were like how many they like just all of the different facets and then what actually happened to them in very stark terms because that's hardly I think talked about just yeah. it's just atrocious and awful and sad and yeah I think you just have and I think it's interesting because he's bringing up in this novel about they are trying to figure out how to be to be accepted of Indian because that's the common idea of what an Indian is Mm -hmm. and so um, you know what if they don't have any connection to the land in that way that we think you know where we think of like Disney's Pocahontas Mm -hmm. you know and he brings it up he's like we're we're from the city I feel connected to skyscrapers and to the sounds of traffic and I'm trying to remember which character it is I think it's Tony. But, you know, just that this is what they feel connected to. Yeah. And does that make him less Indian because he's not singing Colors of the Wind?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you 100%. And, I, you know, I think that this book does a good job of... Um, as much as it's talking about a very specific experience, as, um, like these Native Americans in, in Oakland, I think it also does a good job of for me I connected to this question of like heritage and feeling disconnected in a way from a heritage like I think I think that's more universal than sometimes people realize I don't know if like I don't know I mean my experience I was raised Mormon and I felt that my whole culture was around the religion and it had nothing to do with like my actual heritage, right? Like we didn't, I have mostly Norwegian blood in me and like English and stuff, but like very directly we have Norwegian ancestors. And it was always a question to me of like, well, why don't we do anything related to like Scandinavian culture? Or like, Mm, why did none of that come through as far as like stuff that we do and celebrate? And I felt like very disconnected from like that idea. And the problem with it, it's not an issue if you're still part of that culture and if you're still, like, interested in it. But as soon as you leave something like that, which, like, I am no longer considered – I no longer consider myself Mormon, um, what are you kind of left with? Like, what do you feel that So you almost feel
0: like you're lacking a culture? Yeah. Like a historical culture? Like a historical culture.
1: Yeah, because, like, you know, I look at my past and I can say, okay, like, I guess it's the pioneers and culturally, like, I am Mormon – as far as Mm -hmm. like foods and traditions, I guess, but I no longer like to or want to associate myself with that. And so part of me now as like an adult, it's like, oh, I really want to like get more in touch with like my ancestral roots earlier than that. But like, do I have a right to? you know, like how long ago was it that my ancestors or my family had any connection to that country and their traditions? So, so what are you going to do
0: if you research this and you find out that like green jello with carrots is a Norwegian
1: (sighs) delicacy? I'm going to dive in. Like lose your mind? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I don't know. I mean, it's just interesting coming out, uh, like leaving Utah and then moving to the East coast where I feel like mm. people are actually pretty in tune and like have real communities based off of their ethnicity. Like there's a really strong Italian community and there's a really strong Irish community out here and you know, for better or worse historically, but they still have like that identity. Like they are Irish mm-hmm. and, um, and I, yeah, I, just I, don't I get it. That. Yeah.
0: No, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I, I don't necessarily, I do a little bit with my grandfather, Families family is from Armenia mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of a you know I feel I feel something there we didn't necessarily celebrate certain traditions but that was something that was talked about a lot and about what his family went through and mm-hmm. you know the genocide and I think finding other Armenians in the state like so I think that idea was you know or that part of my heritage is something that I feel connected to just because we talked about it more mm-hmm. so I mean that's and I think I didn't even mean to have that segue, but that kind of segues into, you know, this, some of the discussion that the characters have about, you know, it's like some of them talk a lot about, or hear a lot about, or, are trying to be involved with people who talk a lot about their heritage. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that's, imp- it's, it's a thing for them. You know, we like said, one of the characters, he has his master's in literature, Native American literature. Um, and so he's always been really focused on it. And, you know, wanting to be a part of that in some way or another you know there's a couple of the other characters like who maybe aren't he, he don't they don't seem to have as much of a focus on finding a way to connect with that heritage like it's not as important to them and I think the book makes a good point of you know p- people connect with it in different ways and yeah. sometimes and some of them almost try and force it in a way I think like um Orville he's 14 and he he wants to dance in the powwows like he wants to be a part of it but he puts on the regalia that he's discovered in his um grandmother's no
1: his great aunt's great yeah
0: yes thank you and it's like I'm looking at it but it feels off like so it's like there he just doesn't quite get feel this connection or it's not there and I think it's an interesting point that you may not just instantly feel connected to a mm-hmm. certain kind of heritage either you know and it doesn't it doesn't mean you're any less Native American I think it almost makes that point of like if you dress a certain way or you know practice like I don't know practice in a certain way being Native American Mm -hmm. like you're less than or something and I think it brings that point of I don't know what does that look like because it's that's just so there's no real clear answer and it's all about if they feel connected to it or not and with uh, many of their histories I can imagine it would be really hard to feel connected you know a lot of them have parents that were dealing with their own demons too much to the point that they couldn't care for their children or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Tony, he born with fetal alcohol syndrome and lives with his grandmother. Like they don't necessarily have the maybe easiest of backgrounds. Yeah. Um, and I think that it must be hard to, to find or to like trust in anything, even like a culture, if you already have a hard time just trusting in general.
1: Yeah. Well, I thought, um, there's a, one of the chapters I think where, um, Dean is interviewing Calvin and he kind of talks about like what's going on in his head as he's recording him. Um, and he says that like sometimes the absence of a connection says just as much as a story Mm -hmm with a direct connection, and so, like, that's why he just wanted to record and let this guy just talk, and um, I thought that was really interesting, and and, kind of back to Edwin, you know, who gets a degree with, in Native American literature, you know, he's raised by a mother who is white, and he never knew his father, who was the connection to Native American culture, and so, like, I think him going into that is him, you know, kind of, like, frantically trying to, like, grasp a piece of him that he knows, is inside of him it's a part of him and um trying to grasp onto it but like it doesn't it still seems to be a process for him right because he has this degree but it still takes a while for him to kind of like interact with the community he's almost like forced yeah. to participate <laughs> that's something mm-hmm. a little bit
0: no yeah, i agree and i think that that's got to be a really hard thing to to deal with to have a part of yourself that you don't really know or understand and i think that a lot of the characters Um, in the novel they deal with it or talk about how other Native Americans deal with it by kind of numbing Mm -hmm. you know and just how high the rates of alcoholism are and drug addiction and that a lot of that has to do with with numbing right and I don't know I'm I've been learning a lot from uh, Kendrick my husband about like Jungian psychology and -hmm. there's all these different parts of yourselves I'm I'm not saying it correctly he'd probably be so mad at me for butchering this but there's different parts of your personality and one of those is like your shadow self and some things i think are hard to recognize and grapple with and accept and deal with Mm -hmm. but you can't really be a whole healed complete person until until you do and knowing all of those parts and i think that these characters there's a lot that they don't know or they don't want to know and i think that's got to be really hard to deal with and so they find different ways to numb that to numb that like aching is how I took it like I don't know well I I think that's I think
1: that's what Tommy Orange is trying to say too like it's you know you can say that on an individual level of all these people trying to reckon with this history but I think he's also like talking about the country and he's talking about how we as a nation have not reckoned with our history and we haven't fully acknowledge what? it What? what? <laughs> no are you kidding me <laughs> what you know but I think he's talking about how you know it's that's not this isn't in the past like the actions that our ancestors have taken or just maybe not directly our ancestors but like the actions that have been taken by our government that we actively you know benefit from um if we don't reconcile with that like there are still people being hurt and traumatized by that past and tommy orange presents us with 12 of them you know not to not to mention Mm -hmm. all the other people that they interact with and um i think it just goes to show that it's there's this is very like it's very real and current and relevant to this isn't history this isn't a massacre that happened 200 years ago. This is people who are still like being affected by those atrocities now as we speak. Yeah. I mean, and it's just
0: like thinking about everything that happened, you know, this is a people and a culture and a history that then was, I mean, there was mass genocide, but then also relocated. So here's, here's how you are living. Here's your life. Here's your culture. Here's your people, your history. That's what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Now you can't do any of that and you have to go to these schools and dress a certain way and talk a certain way and, and just it's like erase everything about your history to the point where your language is like endangered. Yeah. Like how crazy that must be to have that just trying to be erased so badly and then trying to find it again. And not only that, but have other people tell you what it really was. You know, have, have this supposed history of you be used for people's purposes, for whatever they want and have it be so factually incorrect yeah. like that's just got to be the most disconcerting you know rootlessness feeling like to just know that yeah. there's roots there but then there it's like they were cut in half and there's layers of dirt between them and then it starts up again like I, f- I think that's how it looks like to me well like there's just this big gap
1: yeah there's a gap and then also you know apart from just seeing like the way the government and history and and people view your culture like then you see people taking advantage and uh like profiting off of your culture now like I think we could go on a huge tangent about like Instagram influencers and big companies profiting off of you know Native American medicine and history and it's just I mean it's disgusting like (laughs) if I think about it I just get really mad but um well
0: I think I really have been irritated lately with there's lots of renewed and good but lots of renewed interest in in psychedelics and and different medicines like that and Mm -hmm. it's of course you know these white shamans from LA like come on I mean it's just it's all now being appropriated and I'm so glad that it's becoming more mainstream and popular and understood and not villainized but at the same time like are we going to do this again? Like, well, (laughs) just take something else over that is.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's the difference of appreciation and appropriation, right? Like, you know, you see these people like, and I know some people who go on these like month long retreats to Peru where they're doing like ayahuasca and peyote and like all of these, these ancient medicines. And I can guarantee that the people administering those and teaching them about those things are not people where that medicine's native to them and their experience, you know, like they're not learning from the right people.
0: Yeah. And I think it's also becoming a little bit, you know, that's, it's becoming something that you get to do if you have a lot of money. Yeah. Um,
1: well it's taking, and like it's profiting and taking those resources away from, the very people who created or discovered it, you know, like I th- like there's a huge like white sage sor- shortage right now, you know, because people just like to burn oh, yeah, sage mm-hmm. in their homes and like it's an endangered plant, <laughs> you know, but like it's being <laughs> sold in Victoria's Secret or not Victoria's Secrets, but like, oh, there's like a company that sold those. Maybe. I haven't been in one of those in a long time. <laughs> um, there was a company that sold like. I can't remember what they called it. I think they called it a smudge kit, which like is not an appropriate term for, to use for just like burning herbs. It's a whole ritual, but they sold it in this box of like a sage stick and then like a bunch of crystals and then like a chakra map. And that's <laughs> where we are. Like that's capitalism, folks. But oh, it's geez. it's gross. It's and it's sad and I think like I think that this book, now that you know, we'll get back to the book, but like I think that it this book does a good job of talking about how it's like okay, you still might you erase my culture, but now you're going to bastardize parts of it. You know, or like like the question of what even is part of the culture anymore is just diluted and questionable.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, and that it's itself is a question throughout the novel is what is the culture? What is my culture? He definitely there's so many questions raised and I love that it's not preachy and here's the answer to the question it's just that there's just so many questions and there's so much to talk about and think about Mm -hmm. like it's it's just so intense like there's so 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 much that comes out of this novel I feel like I just love how much it made me think and and I really loved one of my one of the thing I really like about novels or any kind of um art really is when uh, the artist can kind of tell a story about a certain location. So, like, this is Oakland, mm-hmm. California. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love like Steinbeck and how you know he really focuses on like it's like a love letter to a region or a city. Yes. and I just love that because it's I love learning about places that way, and I think that's a really good way to learn about it is how someone else would describe it. Like, uh, have you ever seen the HBO show Insecure by Issa Rae?
1: I've seen the first season. I haven't seen the rest. <sighs> of it.
0: So good. I love, love, love that series. It's totally worth a watch. Anybody. She's so great, but it's kind of like a love letter to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And I've never really thought that much about Los Angeles or really had much of an interest in it or the times I was there, I wasn't (laughs) that into it, but I love through the show. You kind of see all these different parts that you wouldn't know about, obviously, if you're not someone who grows up there and loves it or who's lived there for a long time. And so I just, you know, I think like Billy Joel and like New York, Mm kind of gives me that like there's just different artists who i think really tell a story about a place and and i think tommy orange does that through these characters like the novel itself is from a book by gertrude stein who's talking about about oakland Mm -hmm. and um she says that um so one of the characters basically in the book um discovered that what gertrude stein was doing um she says she found that she was talking about how the place where she'd grown up in oakland had changed so much, that so much development had happened there, that the there of her childhood, the there there, was gone. There was no there there anymore. Hmm. And I just absolutely loved that he, that that's what brought this book up, and that a character discovers that, and obviously has a connection to it. And I think that it's really, um, a lot of the characters have really poignant relationships with Oakland, especially because they're really talking about their past, and that this isn't the, city of their past it's this new one and Mm -hmm. like I said like there's this gap it's like there's the there and then there's the here and there's nothing in between
1: yeah I agree um another thing that I think that Tommy Orange does a really good job of doing and and like showing and you know making us kind of like frustrating I was, I got frustrated anyway um seeing is just like the cycles of kind of like trauma and abuse that occur. And it's just, it's mm-hmm. really hard to watch. And, you know, I, th- I think that it was hard for me reading it because it for me, it kind of made me question and like how much of this is like feeding into stereotype that I had growing up in Utah about Native Americans, like being just, you know, like alcoholics or being fat or being um, lazy. I don't think any of these characters are lazy by any means. Um, But, you know, I did hear a lot about that being like the case, that it was like chronic. And I don't think he's feeding into stereotypes, obviously, because I think he's like trying to show a very real experience and he has the authority to talk on that more but it, you know it's frustrating to watch you watch just like all these people just you know binge in the bottle and hurt themselves and hurt others around them or kind of forced to get in t- involved in things that are you know not m- maybe the best path for them and it's just it's hard to watch and it's hard to see and it's for me it kind of made me feel like helpless as like <laughs> the reader because there's like a desire I think to like help break that, you know? But like how does one even do that? How are these characters supposed to do that, you know? Cuz so much of that is genetic and also part of the generational trauma and like we talked about dealing with the trauma of their past and and everything like that, but it's it's for me the question that I thought is like, okay, well then like how do we break it? Cuz we're talking about this trauma, we're talking about all of the these issues that these people in this community are having but okay like well what can we do like what can they do what what is an actual step that we can do to like stop the cycle and I don't have an answer for it but like it you know it made me frustrated reading it because I want an answer for it so badly
0: yeah it is frustrating I I wish we had the answer you and I could like run the world yeah. if we had it um well like (laughs) not like (laughs) dictators but yeah but no I I think it's that's such a hard question and it's one that's raised and I think he gives little um maybe suggestions like I at least interpreted it like that so for instance you know there's so much judgment I think still uh, maybe it's getting better around the idea of addiction and mental health Mm -hmm. and anything that's seen as some sort of I don't know there's just so much judgment there. So I think there's times it shows in the book with the different characters history that if help would have been provided, if there wouldn't have been judgment, like if help would have been accessible and no judgment, Mm. um, then maybe people could have been saved. You know, there's things with like the foster care and, you know, with um, I think with mental health treatment and with drug, like all those things, if proper assistance and help and empathy and care would have been provided, directions maybe could have could have changed mm-hmm. and I think it subtly makes that point with a couple of the of the characters that maybe we don't have all the answers maybe this can't fix anything but there definitely are some blatant things that we could be doing to at least be moving forward or you know changing directions because this doesn't seem to be working what's been going on for a long time so yeah you know maybe we can kind of change the approach versus how we've been doing it I think it just kind of makes that point a little bit at least I interpreted it that way
1: yeah and I agree like I think I think like especially of of just uh the idea of like empathy and talking about it and giving perspective to um characters like Octavio for example who like maybe were not initially very empathetic towards um -hmm. but then you hear about like a very like traumatic history of like so much death in his family and yeah and it kind of you know it doesn't excuse like violent aggressive behavior but it it kind of gives you more perspective and forces you to get in their shoes a little bit and well and I think it, it makes you think of okay this
0: probably had something to do with this behavior you know yeah two plus two equals four so Maybe if we look at what those two and two that we're adding up are, right. maybe we can make some changes. So, you know, maybe we can, I don't, I'm again, I don't have all the answers, but maybe addressing symptoms at all and earlier and with yeah. the same care and attention we put to, you know, salacious results, maybe we could stop having those. Yeah, yeah. that's just my random vodka thought but it's <laughs> <laughs> just you know maybe if we look at that even though maybe that's not as interesting or it's harder man we really are not talking about the book much and we're really talking about all these other things you know, but I guess that's kind of the point I and the great thing about the book
1: yeah I agree I think I think that's the point you know like we could dive into I think the the plot of the book but I think that the I I think Tommy Orange specifically is like trying to get us to talk about these things and to think about these things and and to view these characters as, like, real people that we know and we care about. And, um, you know, I know I certainly do. Like, sure, we only get a chapter, but I think, you know, a chapter, maybe two of each character. But I think it, I care about them, and I care about their histories and... Um, I think it's very effective and I you know I care about like wanting to help them as if they were real people and it's just you know it's frustrating when I think in this country it it kind of feels like (laughs) even when you care it's, it's like your hands are tied because so much of it has to do with things above you or you know or outside of you and you can do your part but we would have to make every single person in America read this book for them to feel like it was a priority for them and they might not even feel the same way I do but like it's frustrating that that's just like the fact (laughs) it's hard
0: yeah it is it's hard to balance that yin and yang sometimes is really difficult yes um well we kind of I mean we uh, first we're just going to talk about in the first episode parts one through two we kind of just went off on whole tangents from the whole book but I'm okay with it because that's that's kind of it Um, I definitely have a lot more that I'd like to talk about that I think um, gets brought up a lot more in the later half of the book Um, again more about like addiction and I think the idea of violence and gun violence and also I just loved um, all the parts about the powwow and the dancing in particular um, was really great for me and I'd love to talk about that more so even though we didn't really stick to parts one and two (laughs) plot wise I I think this is kind of how the book is, is it's yeah. like I said, it's not much about the plot as it's more about the questions that it raises and and the discussion of these characters. So um kind of went off of what my what I thought we would go, but I think it was it was good. So was we definitely will have a lot more to talk about in our next our next episode. So if you haven't, please make sure you go out and get There There by Tommy Orange. It's not a long book. I didn't pick <laughs> a huge one this time. <laughs> no. Um and I th- I think a really quick, quick read. So you could definitely get caught up quick if you haven't already read it. Um is there anything else you wanted to touch on though before we kind of wrapped up no I, I mean
1: I think anything else I have we can just talk about
0: next episode will you remind everybody what our next book will be though as well
1: yes so after we finish our discussion on there there we will be reading alias grace by margaret atwood and I really recommend reading the book margaret atwood is always a delight to read for me um but you know if if you're lazy and you want to watch the netflix series then by all Burn. means do it by all yeah, means be lazy it.
0: it's it's totally fine it's fine hey don't, if it means don't support books it's okay if, really. if it means
1: that they can participate in the conversation then and they won't read the book if they're like staunch on that hill then i'd say at least at least watch the show but read the okay. book really re- read the book okay okay <laughs> All right, um, and also
0: thanks again to uh, Kendrick Zane uh, for our lovely intro and outro. I don't know if that's a word. Music. Yeah. Um, go check him out on YouTube if you haven't. Just search Kendrick Zane. Um, does amazing amazing covers. Mm-hmm. Has great original stuff. Um, and I think we're getting to the point where you can finally do live shows again coming up. So.
1: Oh, that's um, exciting.
0: Yeah, so go check them out if you haven't. Um, And thanks, everybody, for listening. I did get a message from my friend Charlene today. Oh, great. um, Who listens, and she said she finally finished my year abroad. Oh. And was texting all these things about it and i just think that's awesome i'm really glad that she read it and i hope that she read it because she heard about it on our podcast and thought that it sounded interesting oh,
1: that's um so, fun. so that makes
0: me really happy so thanks charlene and thanks to everybody who listens we really appreciate it you do. if you have any suggestions for books dm us if you there's something that you think we should read um if you can leave us a review
1: mm-hmm. on
0: apple podcasts even just the stars or something that's really helpful so yeah thanks everybody thank you All right, see you next time. Bye.